8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Asraf Gada. The Viewpoint with Asraf Gada. So, Coach Dumi, I certainly have your tweet. Coach Dumi tweeting saying, what a treat, what an inspiring and really big Big hitter, of course, he's talking about uh, my, the big hitter who's just done now, um, Benewa Amponsa from the, well, former CEO of the Steve Biko Foundation and now heading up uh, Harvard's uh, Center for African Studies here based in South Africa. Really check it out. Very important. We'll have a podcast up of that uh, tomorrow morning around nine o'clock. Uh, which I think you need to get and share as well uh, with the listeners. And if you find there were particular points that you really enjoyed about her talking, then I'd like you to just tweet it as well. Why don't you do that and share that with that hashtag SAFM viewpoint. Okay, so for one really important issue about Africans in Africa and in the diaspora, the other big issue is the issue of corruption. It's a case of ouch, I wish... Can't we get corruption extinct, isn't it? Like um, some of the other issues that we're grappling with. I mean, that's the one you'll be okay to get it extinct, isn't it? So here's the question. Has corruption become an integral part of our of our normal lives? Think about it. What is your normal life? And to what degree has corruption become an integral part? And I'm trying to even understand that word integral in terms of how do we take it in and, and to what degree does it impacted or has it impacted upon all of us? So I welcome your opinions. We can have two guests. We have two guests. In fact, uh, David Lewis is with us. He's the executive director of Corruption Watch. David, it's always good chatting to you and thanks for your time. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. And on the line as well, the General Secretary of the South African Council of Churches, uh, that's the Bishop uh, Malusi Mpulwana. I appreciate your time, Bishop, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, thank you. It's, it's, it's a privilege to be part of this conversation. And you know I need to get you in studio as a big hitter. It's a challenge to you. I've met you a few months ago. Absolutely. Thank you, Ashraf. Yeah. And just before I move on, let me just remind you, in, in terms of our previous uh, guest we had just now, that's uh, Obenawa Amponsa. She quoted you earlier on. I thought I'd just tell you that, Bishop uh, Impulwana. Just so that you know, okay? Let's, no, however... Not in vain. There we are. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> Let's talk about um, this issue of corruption. Has corruption become an integral part of our normal lives? What, what do you make of it, uh, Bishop Impulwana? It's actually... I would like to believe it's not yet a bad point. Uh, but it is not... People still are still shocked by it, and therefore it's not normal. But it's widespread. Mm. And and when we say, you know, integral part of our normal lives, if, if the answer would be yes, how would that then play out in terms of what our normal lives would be? Well, I'm saying that it's not, it has not become, I, I, I don't think it's become part of our normal life. If it was normal, they would not be surprised by it. And mm. The fact that people still explain tells you that it's not normal. People are still saying, how can this be? And I think that's good. But I would like to say that it is widespread. It is widespread at every level. You find it at community, at local, at local government especially. Mm. Actually, people, there are people who think that the way to do business, 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 people need to be corrupt. Yeah, that, that's a very important point, and I will certainly visit that back in, in a moment. David Lewis, your thoughts on that question? Has corruption become an integral part of our normal lives? Well, I think it partly depends on, on where you live. You know, I think for People who rely on public services, public health, public education, public security, public transport, it is a very frequent part of their lives. If you 
if you live in the suburbs and you don't have to uh, to deal with the public sector as much as uh, as much as those who live in the more impoverished marginalized communities then it's not such a frequent part of your of your daily life i mean the the, the thing is and this is really the important point is South Africans have not accepted unlike in many other countries say Russia India mm. have not accepted that it's it's it should be part of their their everyday life so they haven't simply resigned themselves to the fact of corruption and that really is the best uh, hope we have for for dealing with it so yes on the one hand i think it's a very frequent part of people's daily lives no, it's not something that people have accepted as part of their daily. And, and, and thank goodness for that, right? Uh, yeah, you, absolutely. You, you, Bishop Impel, want to let's just pick up on that. The, I mean, you've already said, no, it's certainly not part of everyday lives, but why do you think we, we haven't taken it for granted? Like, well, what can you do? As, and I think as David has quite rightfully pointed out, um, people often we engage with can rattle off five or ten countries and say, you want to do business in those countries? Accept that's the modus operandi. You need to be corrupt. Why, why do you think, in spite of the many problems and what appears to be widespread corruption, in fact, it's still not the norm? I think the- I think the part of it, I think maybe it comes from two, two sides. The first one is that, uh, remember that we are a society that has uh, struggled against what is wrong in the governmental environment. That was, that was the norm. Uh, you know, if you live in a Pakistan, like such as some of us have, that was a very corrupt environment, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. corrupt. Uh, and so part of the yearning for the promise of the post-apartheid South Africa is to get rid of corruption. And so, in a way, it's and it 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 stands against what you've always believed is the meaning of a free democratic society. And I think that's part of it is uh, that that people find it difficult to come to terms with it, uh, to make it is acceptable. Well, well, uh, well that's an important point you raise. But if that's the case, then we wouldn't have had examples, and there appears to be many now that of many people who were part of the the, the struggle for liberation who appears to have fallen victim uh, of of perpetrating uh, corruption. If, if they saw it as an enemy before, then why would they embrace it now? Precisely, that's exactly why it is still frowned upon and exclaimed against. It is it is happening all around us, and people that are experiencing it are saying we didn't expect this. We don't expect this. We don't expect this. It is an everyday widespread, but it is not acceptable. It goes against the grain. What what then, and I'll get to David in a second, just the the role of the the faith-based organizations you certainly come uh bishop uh, in Pulwana from from a christian perspective the south african council of churches uh many others from you know jewish uh, the the hindu faith the islamic faith the hindu celebrating their diwali over the next two days i know that uh, and and many others as well right what role then do, do these faith-based organizations play or should play in ensuring that corruption is not endemic in in absolutely everyday society from the top right down to grassroots? That's a very difficult one because if uh, if if we were so faithful to our faith, we wouldn't be as corrupt or we be such uh, so, so, so unlawful. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think that a lot of us actually, you know, take take our faith tradition simply as part of our culture rather than as, as, the, as, as the anchor of our 
yeah. actually are like that. So I think that that, that, that that is certainly the case. But I think that the value of the is, is, is a kind of a mirror for what, what ought to be, is that they are able to have a prophetic voice that reminds us of where we ought to go. I'll give an example of uh, what we, as the Southern Council of Churches, have tried to do as a result of the, the, the large-scale corruption that they experienced in the last several years. Just to say that certainly all of our cultures and our faith traditions have got certain values that uh, should be the, should, should be the pointers of how we, 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 we conduct our lives. So we have taken the view that it does not matter whether they're dealing, dealing with economic transformation or dealing with the governmental environment, the integrity of the state. There are certain values and standards one should expect. And this is what we're busy highlighting so that we can make these publicly embraced by people in order to increase the tendency to, to exclaim to Halima, to say no, what is inappropriate. You often hear people say, so-and-so has done something that is, let's say, un-ANC. We say, what can we say is un-South African? Can we identify certain acts such as corruption as un-South African so that there mm. is public opprobrium against one when you do such a thing? You cannot go around defending it and explaining it and people say, no, he's, he's making sense. She's making sense. There should be no sense in a corrupt practice whatsoever. And I think okay. that the idea is to make it difficult for you to defend corruption as much as possible. I okay. think that's what the faith communities can do. Well, I'd like you to join in on the conversation. I'm sure you have a view as a listener as we talk and we battle and we juggle around with this issue of corruption and what it means, firstly. Why do so many people engage? What, in fact, is corruption? And uh, and, and the broader question, to what degree has corruption become an integral part of our our lives? It's, but, it's like normal Ashraf, business. Yeah? But Ashraf, but Ashraf, if we were, and if, 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 if I'm talking about faith communities, it is also the problem where faith communities are themselves are the den of iniquity, such as we see in these fraudulent faith practices. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very good point as well. All right, I'm sure David Lewis wants to add to that. He's the Executive Director for Corruption Watch. David, do you want to pick up on any of the points raised so far? You know, I'm, finding, I'm having huge difficulty hearing uh, Bishop Mpawana. But, but, you know, I think that the faith-based organizations have certainly in recent years, together with civil society, together with the media, have played a very important role in, I suppose, leading a, a view that says we can, we can beat this. And, and it's incredibly important. And I mean, I think it's an area, you know, you know we're in the anti-corruption uh, um, business, as it were. But I, uh, you know, we, we, we do feel comfortable taking a sort of morally superior, seeming to take a morally superior standpoint to that of the public. And, you know, this is what, you know, the faith-based organizations and the leaders of the faith-based organizations are good at doing. It's, it's what they do in their, mm. in their everyday lives. It's not a coincidence that the first uh, uh, chairperson of the Board of Corruption Watch was himself and an, an archbishop. And so I think that the faith-based organizations are, are incredibly important because there is such a large sort of ethical and moral dimension to the whole uh, question of corruption. And they really are, I, I, I suppose, the institutions that should be, and, you know, to, to not an insignificant extent, are taking the lead in this. 
You know, that having been said, all of our organizations can also do with a good hard look at themselves. I mean, you know, the life lesson to many things was mm. largely, were largely corrupted NGOs working with, you know, corrupted government officials. There have been, you know, no end of scandals, not necessarily in the, in the church group represented by the South African Council of Churches, but in, in other proclaimed uh, Christian groups. In the media, there has been corruption, as we saw in the Sunday Times debacle. So, you know, not only have we got to lead, but we've got to lead by example as well. And I think those are very important considerations. What then, you know, what's your understanding or, or definition of the word corruption? And it sounds like a silly thing I'm asking you, but I'm, I'm going to no, suggest, David, that, that we, we battle with that because we don't quite know what corruption really is. Well, you know, the standard sort of classic definition of corruption, the sort of textbook definition of corruption is it's the abuse of entrusted power for private gain. And um, it usually happens at the interface of the public and the private. So this is not a, you know, I say public power, but I don't mean that to be perpetrated by public officials or or politicians only. There's, you know, for, for most corruption, and particularly grand corruption, but even in so-called petty corruption, you know, traffic bribery on the roads is an interaction between the, the public and the private, but it's the use of private power or the abuse of private power, of public power for, for, for private gain. And that's why when you, when, you, when you were discussing the question of you know, people who were in the liberation movement mm. now corrupt, you know the, the famous maxim that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I mean, that's what you see in play, that when people have power, they often, unfortunately, abuse it. And that's what really... What so you're saying the, what the abuse of public... Did I get it right? The abuse of public power for private gain? Private that, gain, Okay, yeah. got that. I'm, I'm just... Putting it out there because I'm just thinking, you know, yeah. to what degree do we do we battle with that? You, you want? I want to pick up on that as well. The Bishop um, Mpulwana, th- does that come up in discussions uh, at uh, you know at community level? But certainly, again, let's say in your church, where you know people battle with like, what is what is corruption? We don't quite know, or, or is that is there no discussion around it? Yes, there is. There's a lot of discussion about. You actually, it, it, corruption is the feeling of being subjected to corruption has been has been uh, you know kind of uh, they've used the analogy of rape uh, I'm talking about people that have expressed how they mm-hmm. felt about being boxed into a corrupt situation but uh, it, 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 it's a kind of violation of your ethical domain uh, where you box into I, I need a service and, and if I don't get the service, here's other consequences. If I, but if I pay, I'm feeding into corruption. Or if I sign this, I'm feeding into corruption. But if I don't sign, I lose my job. You know, this is what people have been... I mean, we, we've listened to a lot of people talk about this kind of thing. It's a serious violation of the, 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 the ethical uh, space of, of an individual. The problem is that, uh, you know, once they succumb to a corrupt situation, it, it becomes that much more easy to continue to do it because you have now been broken, so to say. Well, I certainly want to spend some time and I therefore invite your contribution too in terms of uh, if it's not 
across the length and breadth of community, we can't deny one thing. Has corruption impacted on our country? To what degree has it impacted? And therefore, how do we turn that around? More to come. The show is called The Viewpoint. What's yours? Cherry Jazz Festival 2018. On the 10th of November, at Fixback Showground, we have Sabotsula, Hot Sticks, Bustinova, Semito, Mamiki, Duhai, Singu, Amanda Black, Distraction Boys, and many more DJs of NIC. Buddha, Finzo, CQ. Tickets available at Computicket from 300 and 350 at the gate. Remember, no pass out. Gates open at 10 a.m. Quilla box allowed. One per person. Cherry Jazz Festival 2018. So, are you worried about work and having a career crisis? I could probably. Think about many people saying yes to both of them, isn't it? Well, don't panic. Watch Ispani, and you can catch a show, SABC One, every Tuesday at 2 p.m. That means uh, that makes it tomorrow, right? Tomorrow afternoon, get on the, the presser, push a panda path to your future. Get your grind going with our hustlers as they share their journey to the working world. What better way to prepare than learning from hustlers, making it happen? So there you are, Ispani, SABC One, Tuesday or every Tuesday at 2 p.m., brought to you by SABC Education, enriching minds and enriching lives. Hashtag SFM Viewpoint. People commenting on um, SMS via corruption, you can certainly do that. Uh, rather, of, on corruption via SMS, let's get that right. Uh, SMS is 40938. If you want to do a WhatsApp voice note, that's also welcome. Uh, it's 0614-104-107. 0614-104-107. I've got two guests talking about corruption, effectively asking you just, is it very much an integral part of our lives or what? And either way, you may want to give us answers on that. The guest we have, uh, the Secretary of the South African Council of the General Secretary of the SACC, Bishop uh, Malusi Mpulwana, and David Lewis, who's the executive director of Corruption Watch. Some of the comments back from Pumalanga saying corruption in South Africa since 1994. It is blatant thievery, misuse of power, and it's what has got South Africa into the state it is today. Uh, another one, Dave from the Eastern Cape saying, corruption in my day of management is a, in a big outfit. We were not allowed to accept anything except for calendars or pens with a logo. Anything else accepted was regarded as fraud, and you should be fired or charged with fraud. We need new rules. Um, there's a couple more. Okay, uh, that's very cryptic. I can't quite read that. I will pick up uh, on those SMSs uh, too as well. Uh, Bishop uh, Impulwana, let, let's let's get back to you. There, uh, in terms of, um, do, do you find people sometimes indulge or, or and engage? At, at, and I'm talking at grassroots level now. I think I think the top issues of uh, state capture are pretty obvious. But you find that at the bottom, at grassroots, people engage in acts of corruption. They don't even know they're doing so. No, people do know when they are involved in corruption. Uh, there's no question about it. And and as I say, it, it, it has, the, the, trans, the corrupt transaction um, is a question of you getting accustomed to it being the way things get done. Business, this is the way business gets done. And if you have to accept that, then then then, then you have actually accepted that it's become normal. Uh, but what I'm saying is that because people know it is corruption, and they know that when the, when the cop is asked something. I mean, you, you run into this all the time, and people say, we want cold drink. Uh, they, you, you both know that this is not about cold drink. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
All right. They do know. D- David, how how do we turn this around? So, whereas it may not become be an integral part of our normal lives, if we all the fact that we all are angry at people who've engaged in acts of corruption, particularly in, in the political space, it shows there's that we haven't accepted it. The fact is, it has impacted on society. So perhaps two things here. Firstly, the first one is to what degree, or if you are able to express it, you know, either in financial terms or in in humanitarian terms. How, to what degree has corruption impacted on, on South Africa's democratic project? Well, you know, it's, it's very difficult to, to express the scale of corruption in rands and cents terms, it, but it is, it is enormous. Um, you know, and, and this across, across the, the globe, but it's very, very significant in, in, in South Africa. There's no, question about it. It's not as bad as some other places, but it's a lot worse than than many. And we do have a really serious problem and nothing, no, no difficulties in measurement should blind us to that fact. I mean, I think that, you know, oddly the place where where corruption exacts the, the greatest damage is in public trust in key institutions of their of their society, and I'm talking both public institutions and private institutions. So the decline, the tr- trust in the police, for example, declines when the public see the police engaged in corruption. Uh, uh, confidence in elected officials declines, so people stop uh, participating in elections and they often take the law into their own hands. That's a cost of corruption. You know, when you can't trust the people who make your medicine or who bake your bread, you have a serious uh, breakdown in the society potentially looming. And I think that's where the greatest uh, uh, cost of corruption is is visible to all of us. And, you know, it's also uh, verified in countless surveys which document the decline in the trust of public institutions. I mean, I don't know exactly where faith-based organizations stand in that, in, in some of those surveys, but I know in one of the last surveys that were done, civil society organizations, interestingly, were amongst the most trusted institutions mm-hmm. in society, and they didn't have that much trust to be confident in. So, you know, I think uh, this starts to infect the whole society. It starts to infect people's view of the media, of everything, and that's a really, really um, critical cost. Uh, Bishop Mbwana, you want to respond to that as well? Your your thoughts in terms of the impact of corruption on South Africa's democratic project? Yes, it it, it results. I think I agree with David. It results in what you call the loss of public trust in public institutions. Uh, therefore, services themselves become unreliable, untrustworthy, and people take shortcuts. And you see this uh, in, 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 in housing uh, issues, for example, where there's a lot of corruption in housing, and that people have no faith in the system whatsoever. And then if there's corruption in the justice system, then people have no faith in the... And of course, that's, that's what leads to people taking the law into their own hands, where there's no faith in the justice system. Uh, they do not know if a person who has been, uh, who has been a, a pain in a society can actually remain behind bars uh, if there's a way of getting them out through corrupt mechanisms. So basically what it does do is to undermine the, the essential fabric of trust in society. And that also makes 
democracy functions because democracy depends a lot on how you can trust the systems. If you don't trust the systems, then it's gone. And we've got 30 seconds to go for both of you. Just a last thought. David Lewis, in terms of what should happen next around the consciousness and, and conscientizing South Africans across the board on, on why corruption is so evil and so wicked and undermines our processes? Well, you know, our, our model is basically encouraging people to report experiences of corruption to us, and we would continue to encourage them to do so because without people standing up and speaking out, there's no combating corruption. For us, though, the most urgent task at the moment is with the criminal justice system. There seems to be no doubt about it that one of the greatest difficulties we face in combating corruption is the state of policing and the prosecutorial services. So that's a big priority, but there are, you could have taken the whole, the whole show talking about what. I'm sure. Bishop uh, Mbuwana, your, your thoughts? What should happen next? Well, you know, Corruption Watch defines it as a malignant, a devious act of immorality that harms all over all of us. And I think that is so true. For us, it is about ensuring that civil society and communities, there was a time in this country when every street could commit to a public common a good cause. And we think that there must be a direct campaign, a good cause against corruption, street by street, area by area, ward by ward. If communities can do this, civil society can do this, and churches can do it, and mosques, and synagogues can do it, I think we can make a difference. Okay, and, and that's, that's our campaign. And that's where we're going to leave it. Appreciate your time, both of you. Bishop Amalusi Mpulwana, will, uh, from the South African Council of Churches, General Secretary there, and the invitation for you to come to the studio as our big hitter is open. Hopefully you'll say yes to that soon. David Lewis, we've had him already in studio, Executive Director of Corruption Watch. Appreciate your time, David. Thank you for that. Right, now...